Hello, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, our small business owners, our local business owners. We have our marketing and business coaches and consultants. We have the folks who help others create their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have their own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. If you're one or more of the above, explore our episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and discover how we and our guest experts help you win at the game of business and marketing. Also, check us out on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. Fresh content every Tuesday and over 170 episodes await your immediate perusal. Today, we are going to have a very interesting conversation, and we have a guest with us, a very special guest, somebody who's very well-known in the community, who's written several best-selling books, somebody who many of you have probably heard of, as a matter of fact. And we've been trying to get this guy on the Business Creators Radio Show for about two years now, but between all the books he's authoring and all the conferences he's doing and all the things he's involved in, he's been a pretty challenging guest for the Business Creators Radio Show. So a couple weeks a couple weeks ago, I basically went to him and I said, "Look, you're you're up on uh, you're up on January 17th, so let me know when you're going to submit your information. Let's get a recording going here." Uh, and that's how we did it. And this is going to be one of the great episodes. All of our episodes are great, but in terms of the information you're going to gain and the insights that you're going to discover on the topic of reinventing yourself to create the business you desire, I don't know that you're going to find a better resource on that anywhere. To introduce this to us today, we have Rob Anspach of AnspachMedia.com, and he is a former small-town carpet cleaning entrepreneur who turned his love of marketing and writing into a dynamic media company that caters to clients all over the globe. Rob, welcome aboard. Hey, I'm honored to be here. And I uh, and I know that uh, you know these past couple days uh, you've been fighting off a, a little bit of a, an illness or a, or a cold or some pain or something like that. So I first of all want to, on behalf of all of us, thank you for your um, willingness to soldier through and and work with us today. And I promise we're going to make this a fantastic experience for everybody involved. Well, I think everybody's going to learn at least a little something about how to reinvent themselves. Absolutely. And I've known you for, uh, according to Facebook, I've known you for about six years. You and I have been having conversations for about five years. Uh, and uh, I've watched you evolve. Because I remember when we first started communicating with each other, you were basically a carpet cleaning guy who was doing some online marketing on the side. At least that's how I perceived it. So let's go back there and let's just chart an evolutionary course for our listeners. Why carpet cleaning is the foundation? Well, you know, in, in 1994, I had worked for a carpet cleaning company, and I thought I could do things better. And I would argue with the boss constantly, hey, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And he said, I've been doing this for a long time, I know what to do. But yet, I was always the one, out of eight carpet cleaning techs that were there, always the one bringing home more money. I was the one win, winning all the trips because I took time to understand the customer's needs when I was in the home, and that upset the owner because he was like, get in and get out. So right. after after fighting with this owner, I decided, you know what, time, you know, let, let me start my own business, and I can do it better. The problem was is that although I understood how to deal with customers, I didn't understand the marketing side. And for the first three years of owning this carpet cleaning business, I was failing. I mean, I thought I was going to go bankrupt. And, you know, I just so happened to see an advertisement in, I think, a marketing magazine. I think it was called Clean Facts, and it was designed for the cleaning industry. And it was a Joe Polish ad. Yeah. And maybe you've heard of Joe Polish. Yes, and I have. Back then, he was, back then, he was only catering to carpet cleaners to teach them marketing. And I thought, well... I don't know. You know, and I 
hemmed hard about it, and I called the number, and I talked to somebody, and and um, the person I met was uh, Joe's brother, Tony. And Tony okay. became my mentor. And now I'm Tony's mentor. It's a funny thing. After 20 years, I'm Tony's mentor, yeah. which is pretty cool. But anyway, so I started diving into the marketing and learning everything I could. And then I started designing my own ads. And people started seeing and noticing those ads. And I started raising my prices. And I thought, well, if I want to do this the best, I want to be the best carpet cleaner in Lancaster, I need to raise my prices big time. And I did. And I was pricing my, my services 50% higher than my competition. And I started growing this business. The problem was is that other carpet cleaners were coming to me and other entrepreneurs were coming to me. Rob, design our ads. Do this and create our newsletters. And and, and I was like, I can't run two different businesses that are basically opposing each other. One is a service business yeah. and one a marketing business. And so it started to take its toll. So about 10 years into owning this cleaning business, I thought, you know, I have to make plans to eventually get out of the cleaning business and get into the information business, which is what people want today. They want to know how to run their businesses right. better. But I, I didn't have the resources at the time to do that. I didn't think I was qualified to start giving that advice to people. So it would be another five more years into this business. And, you know, my wife's like, what are you doing? You need to be out there teaching people. You're better at teaching than you are at cleaning, <laughs> which is pretty yeah. bad. But, you know, <clears throat> um, so I started writing articles for the cleaning magazine that, that I found this, you know, article, uh, uh, the same magazine that I found the Joe Polish article. And so they, they, I started writing about social media and I started writing about marketing. And so I started getting this following of cleaners. The problem was, and, and, and I love the cleaning industry because it gave me my start, but a lot of the cleaners out there were in the same boat that I was, and they weren't charging enough, and they couldn't afford anything, and when they, you know, they want to hire me, but they can't afford it. And I thought, this is crazy. You know, I'm spinning my wheels trying to help an industry that doesn't have the ability to generate their own money. So I said, you know, I can pick up 20 carpet cleaners as clients, or I can pick up one lawyer or doctor that's going to be, pay me the same amount of money. So eventually I started getting rid of a lot of my carpet cleaning clients, and I started focusing on niches, you know, the, the, the doctors, the lawyers, the speakers, the authors, and those people needed my service more, and they had more money to spend. So I gravitated right. out of the cleaning business altogether, and now I'm just producing, you know, marketing for higher-end clients. And, um, you know, when you go from, you know, having a cleaning business in a small town for almost 20 years to now teaching marketing and you're traveling all over the world, it's surreal. I mean, it, it, it's it's like you did a 180 in your career to do something totally different and 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 that's your passion now and you're you're making more money and you're enjoying life and meeting all kinds of new people and it's yes it's, it's great you know it, it's i can walk into a, a seminar and and dozens of people know me which is which is kind of weird but you know it it's got that <laughs> weird feeling because you feel like you know you're a celebrity of some sort but you still want to have that you know that uh, feeling that you still don't want people to know who you are, you know, and and I'm not quite there yet, you know, because I, I, I still feel that there's there's mentors out there that are bigger and better than me that I can still learn from, but when I go to these seminars, they're listening to every word I say when I'm up on stage, which is, yes. you know, you know, here I am, you know, a former carpet cleaner up on stage teaching people how, you know, to, to be better at their marketing to to reinvent themselves so they're not, you know, living a life of, of of, I don't know. It's not by design, because you know when I was in the cleaning business, I didn't think I was going to make it 20 years. Honestly, I thought two or three years and I'd be out. And, right. Um, you know, so I think every 
entrepreneur needs to go through their own personal evolution to find out what it is that really excites them. You know, the the yeah. What really started, what really I think started uh, people noticing me more is when I started writing my books. You know, and people were like, "Wow, you know, that that share book, which was the, the, the social media book I wrote." That was the easiest social media book I ever read. And then I wrote a book on optimiza- search engine optimization. And people were like, wow, yeah. you know, you, you just you made SEO simple. And, and yeah. see, that's what I, I like to do is I, I, take, I take subjects that I know. Most people have kind of an inkling of knowing. But I, I take them and I make them simple so that in an hour or two, you're done the book, and you've gained knowledge, and now you're starting to implement it. And I, and I think that's what a lot of people lack when they teach others is the simplicity. Because I've seen social media books that are 200, 300 pages long, and you look at that and you say, yeah. uh, I'm not picking that book up. I don't care how it helps me. I don't have the Seriously, time to seriously. You know. Seriously, seriously. So, I mean, just as a personal observation, uh, I mean, I remember the three, uh, three and a half years ago when you came out with Share, 27 Ways to Boost Your Social Media Experience, Build Trust and Attract Followers. And I was happy to be one of those people in the collage holding up the book. I love that <laughs> book, and I'll tell you exactly why. It's because it's short. I was able, yeah. to, I was able to, de- to devour that thing. And Actually, let me tell you two things I love about it. Number one, I was able to devour it in about a half hour. That is mm-hmm. great because um, we want to change lives. We don't want to make people read and read and read and read and read. This is not a philosophy class. This is business, damn it. Number two, number two, and this is even greater, is you can open that book to pretty much any page, read what's there, right in front of you, whatever page you randomly flip to, and chances are there's an actionable item that you can start gaining from immediately. You don't have to sort through long paragraphs to find the nugget. You just line up the nuggets of gold that you've already panned right there on the shelf and let people pick the one they want. And that's what I love about your teaching, and that's what I love about what you're telling us in, the, in this interview so far is just the way you lay that out. Yeah. And, you know, what's nice about Cher, even though it's three years old, all the information is still relevant today. Even though Facebook has changed their algorithms, even though Twitter has you know, evolved a little bit and, and LinkedIn has changed a little, the information in the book is still you know, critical for you to grow your social media business. You know, nothing's changed. That's ab- yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, you have different social media platforms that come and go, but the mechanism of social media marketing has been a constant for going on 10 years now. I just looked the other day, and my Facebook account has been in existence for eight and a half years. I remember uh, when I was first starting out with it. I mean, just the other day, I was just taking a trip down memory lane, looking at what I was doing with it back in 2008 when um, actually somebody created for me as part of my investment in some get started with social media class that I took, which was actually a pretty good class. Uh, and one of the bonuses was we'll set up this new Facebook thing for you because I didn't have one at the time. It took me about a year to actually start using it as a marketing tool uh, in a way that was effective and meaningful. But, I mean, things come and go, but so much remains the same is my point. You know, the, the whole thing, and this is what I stumbled on when I joined Facebook, you know, I think it was eight, nine years ago, was that I used it wrong. And I, everybody uses it wrong when they first get on it, especially entrepreneurs. Right. They, they use it as a a structure to spam people with their marketing message. And that's the wrong way to do oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Because social is all about the conversation. So, you know, and I, I use this analogy a lot, and I think a lot of other people do too, is, you know, you go to the mall and you walk up to somebody, you don't immediately say, hey, buy my product. No, you, you, right. you go up and shake their hand and you get to know them and you have a conversation and then you get them to understand who you are first and then you say hey by the way you know we do have these other products and now they're more inclined to buy from you because they've struck up that conversation with you and so you got to remember social is all about you know bringing that trust forward 
And if you can't bring that trust forward, you're never going to make the sale. So these people that are only posting, you know, once a week to their social media, honestly, you should be doing, you should be putting something on your social media every single day. And I think to some people, they're like, that, that, that's very time-consuming. Well, honestly, it's not. And I'm going to give you a secret. To make your social media quicker is make every single day a theme day. Now, you might have seen this before. You know, some places have Motivation Monday. Some have Testimonial Tuesday. You know, you could have Wacky Wednesday or, you know, Way in Wednesday if you're, you know, in, in the health field. You could have, you know, you got the Throwback yeah. Thursday. You know, you got, you know, face-to-face Friday where you're you're showcasing a client. You know, you can have Social Saturday. You can even, you know, I, I like on Sundays I like to do weekend wisdoms where I, I put a quote of something inspirational, whether it's from me or from, you know, someone famous. And those get shared like crazy. And all you're doing is engaging in the conversation and getting people to comment and share your stuff. And what I tell people is don't be concerned about the likes because likes don't matter. And people are like, well, what do you That's mean? Right. I need to get likes. Likes, really, honestly, don't play anything in the algorithm anymore. You can have 100 likes, but if you have zero engagement, which meaning people aren't commenting or sharing, then you're really not doing anything on your social media. So the trick is to design quotes not quotes, posts that get engagement to get that conversation going, to get people to say, hey, Adam, I really love that post, and they share it with their friends. Because the moment they share, their friends and fans are going to see what they posted, and they're going to want to know more about you. And now you're going to have more fans coming to your page. And so, you know, everybody understood that what's going to happen your social media is going to explode you know one of my clients we now post for them four times a day and people are like wow that's crazy how do you come up with the content you know and and again we theme it out and every day has a different theme to it and it so it makes it easier when people come up to us and say i loved your post today now if you have someone posting for you and 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 you know, they're doing on a theme day, you know, and, and a client comes up, you know, I really loved your post, and you're like, that's great, you know, and but you know, okay, today's Wednesday or Thursday, you know exactly what the post was about. But you don't right. want people coming up to you and blindsiding you because you have no idea what's on your social media page. So, Yeah, that's very, you know, that's very important. And, um, and, you know, for some pieces of my social media, not some, I mean, I mean not, rather, not all, but some outlets, I engage others to help me manage because to be on so many different platforms at the same time is daunting. And as you know, right. from being a social media uh, authority figure, you know that for different businesses and different personalities, different platforms are more relevant than others. So you focus on some and you maintain a presence on others. That's perfectly fine. I've been in situations a couple times where the people who were doing work for me um, posted something and uh, I'm thinking of one case in particular, and this was many, many years ago. They posted this uh, response to um, a discussion thread uh, inside uh, inside a discussion group. I think it was on Facebook. And uh, the way they posted that thread, it was in response to somebody's question about something. Now, and I want to get your thoughts on discussion groups because you have a great discussion group of your own that I love. And I want to you know, speak about that a little bit within the context of how you invent and reinvent yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was somebody asking a question, some kind of marketing question. And in my voice, the people responded by blabbing about my testimonials and uh, and quotes about me. And then and then said, yeah, if you want to discuss this further, uh, what you do is you click this link and you schedule an appointment with my assistant. And uh, then uh, during our 30-minute call, you will get this, this, and this. And I said, holy frickin' crap. <laughs> Uh, they were proud of this post and actually telephoned me because they wanted me to see it. Now, I had gotten wind of it because I got a notification that I had just posted, so I went to check out what I had just 
quote unquote done. And I said, yeah, that was I, that was some post, all right. I deleted it before you got me banned. Uh, it made me look like a complete idiot because uh, you, I mean, do you remember helping me promote five blog posts where I told you not to, where I tell the whole world not to do each of these five things you just did? Now, yeah. my point bringing this up is every so often things get a little sideways. All you do is correct. I mean, in this viral world, you run the chance that something might accidentally go viral on you, but it's a matter of having your integrity and being in line with your brand. Uh, I, I mean, it is still true, in my personal opinion, that everybody has a few mistakes on their board. And uh, you're not going to have your entire business eviscerated just because you made one goofball post. Uh, that, that's just what the sensationalist media wants you to believe because they want to keep us in fear. Hey, you know, I, I make mistakes still. I mean, the, the other day I actually got kicked out of a group on Facebook. It was designed to offer social media people. And uh, nice. you know, I was trying to be helpful. <laughs> and, you know, they, they wanted examples of you know, things I've done. I said, okay, fine. Well, here's the link to my, you know, I know it was on my site. And, well, you know, I, I belong to so many groups. I don't remember the rules to every single one of them. Well, one of the rules was you can't put third-party links, which means I couldn't share the links off my site because they considered that promoting. I wasn't really promoting. Right. That, you know, it wasn't my intention, but they considered it promoting, and I got banned off this page. And I'm thinking, so I, I responded, hey, why did I get kicked off? And they're like, well, you're promoting your site. I said, what do you mean? And I tried to argue with them, and I'm like, you know what, forget it. I, I don't have time for this. And honestly, it was funny because the very next day, a client, I mean, a, a person from that group called me, and they said, Rob, what happened? You know, your your your, your name's grayed out now. You're, you're not in the group. I said, no, I got kicked out. And I explained to them. And they hired me to do work for them because they, they were frustrated with this group anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've been on the receiving end of that a couple times myself. Um, I found myself uh, where all of a sudden it seemed like uh, every single thing I posted in the group was automatically moved to the promotions tab. Uh, even when I was just simply directly answering questions, not sharing links, not citing mo my own examples, it'd be like, Rob, hey, guys. Rob asking, hey, guys, does anybody know how to change a Facebook post so that it only shows to a certain group of your friends? Adam responds, yes, create a segment of friends, and when posting that post, change the audience to only reflect that segment. If I posted something like that, they were calling it promotional because they were saying, <laughs> yeah, you're just showing off your expertise because you're trying to get clients. Well, it turned out they had brought on this new moderator um, who viewed themselves as a competitor and was trying to silence me. So I just said, the hell with this, left the group. If this is how you're, yeah. I mean, because when I brought it to the group owner's attention, they said, yeah, lead, yeah leading, leading your message to me by saying I don't know how to run my group. That's a great way to get my, I didn't say he didn't know how to run his group. I was, say, I was saying that I, I had evidence that I was being treated unfairly by his new moderator. But if he wants to take it that way, there's, there's enough groups out there. I don't need them. Bye. Yeah, you have to be very careful when you join these groups because a lot of them have what I call in, inferior motives. You know, they they, they 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 come across as you know your savior or, or whatever. You know, in the in the content that you know you're going to learn some stuff, and you probably will. But the moment that you say something that they don't like, they get offended, they kick you out, and then you're like, what happened? You know, so. I find that if the group is too big, don't join it because what happens is then they got 15, 20 admins and everybody has their own opinion of how they're supposed to run this thing and you have no right. idea who just kicked you off. You know, if it's if it's moderated, like with my own group, I'm the one who moderates. There's nobody else. And so, right. you know, I have a better understanding of, okay, yeah, that person, maybe their their comment was a little odd, but I don't think that, you know, they're out to, you know, attack anybody. So I leave it there. You know, and, and but I try to deliver, you know, quality content that motivates people every single day. I, you know, sometimes I'm, I, I miss a day because I'm so busy, but I try to give you guys content that you guys can use 
and I try not to be one-sided in the approach, which means that you know I'm not trying to always promote me. And and some of these groups, right. that's all, all it is. It's promote, promote, promote. One thing I don't like is you get on a a free bird group. You know, it's it's when everybody right. just tries to promote, 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 and, and there's nothing in there yep, that's really worth any value. You know, some of these book yep, sites that are out there, they're just awful. Yeah. So it, it, you're absolutely right about that. I'm, I'm sorry, Rob. Go ahead. Uh, you know, finish this up, and I want to move on to the next thing. Okay. I mean, the, the what I want people to understand is that groups can be of value, but they can also be a detriment. So be careful which ones you join. That's that's absolutely true. Just one quick personal observation is, yeah, if I see a group that's too big and has too many people just posting stuff, it starts to read like your Twitter feed. I'm not going to make a dent in that group. Uh, sometimes it's better to be the big fish in a small pond. And when you have that opportunity, you're frequently seen as just a contributor and a helper. The reaction you want to get from people is, who is this Rob guy, and why am I just now hearing about him? What rock have I been under? You create that response and that impression and people inside a group because you're seen as that kind of helper and that kind of leader just by being a generous giving person you'll get the clients i mean that's that's an easy selling without selling strategy when you stay focused on it and i'm also the moderator of a couple groups uh one of which is a, one of my clients groups and one of the rules we have going back to this thing about posting links and such is they have to get a moderator's permission now we have three moderators in the group um, I'm more like a backup moderator. There's actually a main moderator. But we stay on the same page in terms of what's acceptable and what's not. So one of the things we say is, you know, if somebody wants to share a link one time, you know, we'll, we'll, as long as it's appropriate, we'll allow it. They just have to state in their post where they're sharing it that it was approved by moderator, just to underscore that. But if you get somebody that's now every day wants to, you know, I want to share this link, I want to share this link, what we say is, you know, you've already shared a couple links. Why don't you just get in a group and have a conversation? Uh, instead of making people read links, why don't you just share your brilliance and your passion? And I think you'll have a better time, and I think you'll get a lot more benefit, not only from the altruistic area of helping others, but from the self-interested area of getting help for yourself. And one of those people actually came back and thanked me for that advice because it was very, they ended up getting a client as a result of listening to me. So I was very happy to... Uh, very happy to be of service with that. Yeah, I mean it's it's like I said, groups. You know, they're they're great, but you have to understand that the company that you're you're keeping too. Right. Absolutely. So what I want to do now is I want to segue, stay on groups for a moment, and I want to apply the concept of reinventing yourself. Now, as I said, Rob, I've watched you evolve over the past five years or so. To uh, you know, from being a carpet cleaning guy who did marketing on the side to the uh, person and the entrepreneur you are now, and I think that one of the, at least from my perspective, and I want to get your reaction to this, is that a significant piece of your success in making that evolution had to do from creating a very effective and popular discussion group. So, am I right about that? And uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, when I when I created the the business dojo, I did it. I think it was a it was kind of a personal goal for me because I wanted to have my own group page that that really helped motivate other entrepreneurs, that gave them right. substance. And after about six months of having this group, I had someone come up to me and they said, "Yeah, but what's the purpose of the group?" I said, does it need to have a purpose? And they said, yeah, it needs to have a purpose. It needs to have some type of return on an investment. I said, well, my investment is really my time. And I started to think about that. You know, we have all these brilliant groups out there, but what are we what are we doing with them? Okay? So I said, well, you know, I, I, I put all this content on this page. What can I do? So I decided that I would turn 101 of these posts into lessons and I created a book around my own group called Shazam! The Dojo. I repurposed stuff that I was sharing for free into a book that I'm now charging 20 bucks for. But, you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just 
the quotes and the mems and whatnot, but I expanded on each concept. So when you read the book, every page is a new lesson, very easy to understand, very easy to read, and every single one of them leads up to making you better at life, business, your relationships. So it wasn't that I thought, oh, I need to write another book. Let me create a group that will help feed the book. No, I started the group first, and I really wasn't sure where it was going to go, but it led to something brilliant. And I think that as entrepreneurs, we do this a lot. We create these ideas, but we don't know where they're going to go. So instead of thinking about where they should go, let it flow naturally until you get to you know six months, a year, and then think, okay, now I can do something with it. Now I can take the experience that I learned doing this and create a book. You know, the, the <clears throat> and I, 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 I use this concept now for every single book that I do for people because it has to have some type of purpose. Why are you writing a book? Well, I think I need the book. No, you don't need the book if you don't really know why you're going to write the book. So it has right. to have some type of purpose to help somebody. Is the experience that you're putting in this book, is your story that you've been building for the last year worthy of someone reading? And the answer is probably yes, because everybody has an awesome story. It just needs to be told in a way that's going to intrigue somebody. You know, and that's the very first lesson in my share book was share your story because, you know, and, and people always say to me, how did you get started in marketing? I have to go back to carpet cleaning. And then they say, carpet cleaning? What the heck? That has nothing to do with marketing. And so I share my story. And they get to know who I am. They get to know the real Rob and, and what he had to do to get to the present. And it's not an overnight success. It took 20 years. you know. But people don't realize right. that. They just see that, oh, one day Rob left carpet cleaning and became a marketer. No, that's not how it worked. You know? it, was, it was an evolution of time. And every entrepreneur has to go through their own evolution. You know, the, and, 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 you know, you said it, you said it on, on this interview already, but I had a gal that, that I was helping uh, two weeks ago, and she said the same thing to me. She said, Rob, we've been Twitter friends for, for years. And we've been Facebook friends for, you know, less than that. But I was friends with her on Twitter first. And she said, I have seen you reinvent yourself four times in in the multitude of years that I've known you. And I said, really? Huh. You know, I, I didn't even see it in myself. But other people are seeing it in me. And I think that's the very important thing that you want to keep doing. It's constantly reinventing how people see you. Because it just improves yeah the ability that you can give to them when and if they need your help. That's true. Yeah, and you know, what's interesting is over the past six months, I've been undergoing a reinvention in, in my business because it occurred to me just about one year ago that I was looking at what I was doing, and it's like, yeah, great clients, great work. I actually kind of enjoy it. Uh, I'm getting great results here. I'm very proud of the work I do. So there's no problem like I hate my business. That, that, that didn't exist. But what I was, uh, but what I was coming up to is, uh, what I was coming up to is, do I really want to do this for a living when I grow up, so to speak? And so I spent the first half of 2016 testing a couple different models, and each one of them got me a new client. That was great. Uh, then I decided that what I really wanted to do was just sort of freeform it for a while. So at the beginning of September, I launched, or actually it was the beginning of August. Oh, God, I don't know when it was. It was sometime <laughs> the middle of last year. I started this new blog, and I called it The Morning Adam. And the purpose of it was it was just for me to simply share my thoughts on stuff. There was no conversion goal. There was no audience avatar. There was no, I plan to get five clients from this, four speaking engagements, three media appearances, and a partridge in a pear tree. I just have a bunch of stuff on my chest. I want to get off my chest, and I want to see what I end up writing about because that will give me insights about where my brilliance and passions truly lie. And I'm going to 
let the cat peek her head out of the bag here just for a second, but just like you created the lessons from the dojo book by your experiences as the owner of the Business Dojo Facebook group, uh, my upcoming book is based largely on content that I developed through freeforming on The Morning Atom. Uh, I'm at this point deciding whether The Morning Atom is going to continue in its current form because it's at this point pretty much serves its original purpose. Uh, that remains to be seen. But the fact is, is I reinvented myself by getting out there and putting the new vibe into the world and just seeing how the world reacted. So I saw a combination of what I, the types of themes I enjoyed writing about and uh, how I linked that, that back to the work I really enjoyed doing to the stuff that people just heavily responded to and thought was great. So it gave me a sense of well, what the message is and what people were ready to receive. So it's part of the reinvention process. Um, now, what's great here, Rob, is you know we've gone through pretty much all the questions that you had indicated as your talking points for this interview uh, in your answer to the first question. Sometimes that happens, and I love when that happens. Uh, but there's, there's a couple other things I wanted to ask since we do have a little bit of time left here, one of which is in the process of evolving from being uh, the owner of a carpet cleaning business to being a – the owner of a dynamic media company and an author and a speaker, did you find it was challenging to get people to believe in you in the new role? And if so, how did you deal with that? You know, at first it was, you know, and, and that's the struggle. Because here you're leaving, you know, a, a field that you spent all, well, you know, most of your life in, even 20 years. I mean, it's, to, to most people don't even you know last in their own job for a couple of years, so you got twenty That's years true. that you you spent you know catering to a certain type of clientele now all of a sudden you get thrown into you know something that's bigger and and and, and i think I call badder than myself because you know I get on stage and the very first time that I was asked to speak, I screwed up and because one, I hate podiums. I don't know. You know. Some people just love them because they can stand behind it and feel that you know, all they have to do is read you know, a script. But I was told right. to give a, 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 a speech, and the speech had to be pre-approved. And I'm like, seriously? I, I hate doing pre-approved speeches. So I get up, and, and they're waiting for my speech to be pre-approved. You know? And I'm like, oh, I had to memorize this thing. And so I'm standing behind the the podium, people are filming me, the lights are on. I couldn't even remember my name. I completely blew it. But luckily I apologized to the to the crowd. I pulled out my cheat sheet, read from my cheat sheet what I wanted to say, put my cheat sheet back in the pocket, and people were like standing up and clapping. And I'm like, really? I just screwed up majorly, and they're still clapping. And so after that, you know, it was after that moment I decided that, one, I was never, ever going to use a pre-approved script. I was never, ever going to stand behind a podium. I need to walk around the stage. I need to be dynamic. And I was never going to use slides, presentations, or PowerPoint. Because one of the things that drives me nuts is when I go to a, you know, a seminar and a highly paid speaker is up there with slides or PowerPoints, and they're just reading to me. Well, crap, they could have emailed me. You know, I want them to be passionate about what they're doing. I want them to, to free flow, you know, and, and just speak from the heart. And, you know, I started doing that. And I was invited out to Dallas to an author's convention, and I spoke for an hour with no slides, right. no PowerPoints. And people came up, you know, before I even got up on stage, people were like, what are you going to talk about? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I have a kind of an idea of what I'm going to talk about, but, you know, I, I gauge the audience, and I kind of get their reaction to certain things, and then I start leaning towards where I want to talk about, and I start down stories of how it can help other entrepreneurs. And they're like, wow, you know, you kept us entertained for an hour. Most people would need to have PowerPoint, and there's, no. So, Yes, I was overwhelmed at first, but 
Yeah. The thing is, is that if I'm out there to try to impress everybody, that's not my goal. Okay, I want to be up there. Right. And I want to be real to people. And I think that the, the main point, people, is that when you try to put on airs and try to be better than what you are or try to be different than who you are, it's not going to work. You have to do it Correct. on your own terms, Correct. with your own voice and your own heart, and it's going to work better for you. That's very, that's very true. And uh, what I've seen uh, some people experience, and I've been through a degree of this myself, is when you're transitioning from the old business to the new business, whether it's a completely different industry or whether you're moving up in the world uh, to a higher level of what it is you do, whatever it is. You go out and you market and you position yourself as being the new thing, and people just brush that off and they say, yeah, 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 and they try and hire you for the old thing. So let me ask it this way, Rob. When's the last time that somebody asked you to clean their carpet? I still get calls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's my point. And, um, you know, even, even, even my wife tells me, hey, the dog threw up. Can you clean that up? I'm not a cleaner anymore. <laughs> well, you know, you're, well you're, you're the husband. That's just your job regardless. Yeah, you're the husband. You're the carpet cleaner no matter what unless I, you I, hire somebody. I sold my business to another cleaner, and I guess, you know, he doesn't do what I used to do. He doesn't market the way I used to do. He doesn't send newsletters out like I used to do. So people will call me, hey, when are you going to get back into the business? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I, you know, and, and I have I have cleaners that will – call me and they're, they're like well you know you're kind of a traitor i said what do you mean i'm not a traitor i i, I said you know I, I put in my time do i have to just stay at this position for the rest of my life no but that's the mentality of some people they think that once you start something you have to continue that something until you die well that's the stupidest right. thing i ever heard you know if you're not reinventing yourself if you're not you know, growing and, and prospering, then then you're just stuck in the same position that you basically learned for one month and repeated for 20 years. That's, that, that's, that's true. That's not how we're supposed to live, you know. We're, we're supposed to have a, yeah. a better purpose in life. Well, yeah, and, there's, there's that, and people sometimes look at information about you that's old, and they want to yeah. assume that's still true, or you got a referral from somebody from your past life. So somebody whose carpet you scrubbed 10 years ago says, yeah, you got to call Rob. Uh, and so they get in their head that you're going to come clean their carpet because you did such a good job with this other person, and they just don't want to hear that. So yeah. let's just give you a quick example from me. Uh, on my uh, corporate website, businesscreatorsinstitute.com, just about two months ago, I got somebody contacting me saying, yeah, we're interested in possibly working at the Business Creators Institute, but we don't see the portfolio of your websites. I'm thinking <laughs> portfolio of websites. Well, yeah, you design websites, so shouldn't you have a portfolio? Thinking, goodness gracious, here we go again. It's been eight freaking years. I mean, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I've said this on the Business Creators Radio Show before, and I'm gonna say it for the hundredth time. I've never been a web designer. I used to own a company that provided that as a service, but I had two designers on staff who did the work. I was I was the front man. I was the project manager. But there were actual other designers. I don't know how to draw a roller with a straight line. My you know, understanding of web design is I can install a WordPress theme and go into the settings and change the fonts and the colors. Aside from that, I personally have never even had a big use for web design because my belief is that three-fourths, if not seven-eighths, of the entire website conversion conversation happens before they even get to your website with all this right. social media and email marketing and video marketing. I believe that most of the deed is done oh, – oh, and podcasts, podcasts and internet radio shows like we're doing now. Most of the conversation has already happened. Uh, just like Rob, for example, you said you know, you're in that discussion group, and uh, they threw you out over nonsense, and then somebody contacts you the next day because they're wondering, hey, hey man, why is, your, why is your name suddenly grayed out? So you had a conversation, you commiserate a little bit, and then they signed on the line that is dotted and submitted payment through the form that is secure. Uh, 
So, did they even visit your website and to, for you to them to become your client? No. no. That's my point. And, and, and you know, I, I love website design. Don't get me wrong. But here's the purpose. Right. And, and I was told uh, this philosophy a long time ago. Once someone finds your website and they contact you and they become a client, they never go back to your website again. So basically your website is there to pull a client in, but then what? What are you doing afterwards? Are you getting them on your email list? Are you getting them on your social media? Are you know, are you calling them? Are you talking to them? What are you doing after the fact that you, they became your client? You know, and one of the things that I stopped doing and and people would people would come to me and they say, "Hey, you know, a friend of mine told me all about you." I want to do business with you, but I want five referrals from you. Uh, no. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, if your friend gave you my name, then that friend that you believe is you know, your best bud or your trusted advisor, then that's all you need. Because I am not, I don't need your business that bad that i got to go and scrounge up five testimonials from you know, my right. new client and have you bug them. No. And, and that's the problem I think we have in the world today is that we want referrals. We want people to tell us who to go to for work or for service. But we doubt them, so we want more you know, uh, ways to think of this guy as the authority. Before we spend our money, how big of an authority are you? You know what? I don't care if you started yesterday in business. I don't care if you've been in business 100 years. You have some level of authority. And That's you know, true. I've I've hired people that are fresh out of college. I've hired people that you know have been in business for a long time. And I didn't do it based on how many how many years of service they've been, you know, providing for their clients. I hired it for their knowledge. I've hired it for their go-getiveness. I've I've hired them because of some reason that I saw in them or someone had told me about them that I believed would be an asset to my company. So, yeah. you know, trying to bug people for referrals all day doesn't work, especially if you really don't know these other people. If the referral that you got from someone that says, hey, call Rob, that's all you need, you know, because they trust me enough that they gave me gave you my name. That's right. Yeah, so so I so I look at two things. Number one, um, if if you were referred by somebody, somebody said call Rob, uh, that the, the way they should have referred you should have basically had that person ready to do business with you, but they just needed to speak with you for a few minutes to make sure that they, that you guys clicked and then get the details so they could sign on the line that is dotted and fill out the order form that is secure and get down to work. So if that was a strong and properly done referral, they should have already been sold and ready to do business with you before they even picked up the phone to call you or went to your scheduler and booked the time for the initial session. That should already be the case. And number two, um, this whole thing of, yeah, can you supply references? I, I not only won't not supply references, but uh, that kind of ends the conversation right there because I know I'm dealing with a fairly weak potential client if they're asking for references. Because number one, they need other people to tell them to validate all their decisions. I want somebody who makes their own decisions. That's number one. I make my decisions. I work with clients who make their own decisions, not that they're, you know, they crowdsource their decisions. That's BS, and that, and that always ends up badly. Number two, if you're contacting me about doing business with me, well, actually, let me, let me just flip that around just to illustrate from my point of view. Let's say, Rob, that I'm contacting you because I've been referred to you and the person did a good job referring, and I'm basically ready to do business with you. Now, if I say, hey, Rob, I need five references of people who vouch for your work, uh, not only am I saying that I don't really make my own decisions, that I just blow with the wind, but I'm also saying that I'm basically lazy because I should have already made those calls. I should have already checked you out and gotten evidence and anecdotes and what have you and made the decision that you're the real deal. I know when I'm considering hiring somebody, like uh, as a virtual assistant or if I need to bring on a designer for, uh, for a consulting project or what have you, uh, by the time I'm reaching out to them, I've already checked references. And, and by doing that, that means I've checked out their reputation. 
And if I'm at the point where I'm contacting them, that means I like what I see. I've done my homework. I don't need their references who have already been, you know, besides references, all they're going to do is basically say what you told them to say anyway. What, that, what good does that do me? Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So just a little bit more. I mean, we have about 10 minutes here, and I want to get in one more thing on the process of you know, reinventing yourself um, and creating the business you desire is that, uh, you know, let's get into, uh, you know, go back a little bit. You mentioned earlier in our talk about how you talk about trust in your websites and in your books. And I personally think that when you're reinventing yourself, especially when you're moving into something that's new to you, that you may not have a lot of case studies or people singing your praises because it's a new thing you're doing. It's like when I got into consulting, I didn't have people lined up saying, oh, Adam Homie's a fantastic consultant. I really only had two people who had ever experienced my consulting. So I needed people to believe in me. Hire me as a consultant, give me a chance to show what I could do, and then that builds my fan club. In order to do that, we need this thing called trust. So tell us a little bit more about the importance of trust and how we develop trust in, in, within the frame of reinventing yourself. Well, one of the things that I suggest everybody do, and, and I know that some of you are going to say, you know, Rob, you're a complete nut, and that may be true to some extent, but live video allows you to bring yourself, your real self, in front of so many people now that I tell people don't don't use a script, don't use a teleprompter, to speak from the heart, tell people a little bit about you. And we've got to go back to sharing your story because once people understand your story, they can feel your joy, your pain, your, your you know, everything that you've gone through to get to where you are. So if you're just starting out in business, the fastest way to get people to know you is to get on live video and and tell people more about you. You don't have to sell them on you. You just have to let them believe in you. And, you know, when you write your articles, do so speaking from you, okay? Don't write in proper English because proper English is so boring, uh-huh. Write like write like you talk, because when we speak to each other, we understand each other, and that's how I've written all my books. So when you're when you're reading my books, it's like having a conversation with me, and not me telling you what you should be hearing, because we all need to understand the person that we're talking to, and they need to understand us, and they need to believe in us. And if you're using proper English, if you're using big words that they don't understand, if you're, you know, trying to be, you know, better than what you are. And, and I've seen some people, they, they dress up. They put their tuxedos on and they fashion their hair. And <laughs> they get on live video and they, they look like a shill. They, they, they look like they're trying to sell you something. You know, honestly, I've gone on video with, with a T-shirt, with scruffy beard, and I tell my story, and people are like, wow, that was real, that was raw, that was emotional. How can you help me, Rob? And that's the beauty of, you know, being authentic in today's day and age. Social media has increased the the, the messages that we get hit with every single day by you know, a thousandfold, you know. Yes. So if you can be real and you can be helpful to somebody – you're you're allowing them to see through all those messages to get to you because you're the one that's resonating with them. So that resonating is going to help you build trust. And and you're not out to to please everybody. In fact, what I want you to think about is is you know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs they say, "Well, I want every business I want I want every customer to come to my business as long as they breathe." Well, no, you don't, because honestly, you want a select few to come to your business that have the most money, that give you the most value, that believe in you, that are going to share your message with their friends and make your life, being an entrepreneur, so much more pleasant, so much more profitable. And it all starts with that trust. So, yes. And and one thing that I explain and 
especially lawyers and doctors and, and some professionals, they all went to the Vulcan school of no emotion. And <laughs> when they come across people, they feel stiff and they feel, you know, distant. And they're, they, they try to shield themselves. So what right. I try to do with doctors and lawyers is I open them up and I try to make them more human. I bring them down to a, 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 get them off their pedestal and bring them down to a level that people can feel that they're their friends again. Because we all know that, you know, there's a thousand jokes out there about lawyers and, you know, doctors are getting a bad rap now. You need to bring them down and humanize yourself. And once yeah. you can do that, these doctors and lawyers are, are opening up and, and people are like, wow, I can trust that lawyer. I can trust that doctor. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, I mean, you and I both know Jerry Ojinski, a personal injury attorney in New York, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, he—I've I've known him for years, and he—he's you know, a—you know—he's a very uh, monotone, very—you uh, know—not highly emotional or expressive person. Uh, I mean, because he's just—he's you know, just a quiet type, uh, like I normally am when I go out in public. But when you watch his videos, man, I don't even need a personal injury attorney, but I just love watching his videos because his. His demeanor, that you know, that that calm, that compassion, that you know, he looks right at you and you know, he lets you know that he understands exactly where you're coming from. You know, he reaches out to you just with his stories and just by being the guy that he is. I mean, he just draws you in. I mean, I just said I love watching his videos, even though I don't need need a personal injury attorney because he's just he's just that much of a relatable person. That's one of the things I love about him so much. You know, and I and I mentioned Jerry in, in a couple of my books. In fact, recently. I told Jerry, I said, look, you know, pre-recorded uh, videos on YouTube are great. I mean, he's got thousands of them. I said, yeah, but thousands. Do a do a live video presentation. Get on Facebook and talk and talk, and let people see you as a real person. No editing, you know, no scripting, nothing. And so he went in and and he actually created a show on Facebook live where he speaks for like a half hour about a certain case. And and the first show was phenomenal. And he got so much great feedback. Now he's going to do it every week. And yes. that's that's the beauty of of doing videos. And and my last point here is that Yeah, you know, 30 seconds we got to wrap up. If you can develop a show around what you do and then take the show and turn it into a book now you're repurposing your content to make yourself even a bigger authority in what you do. Exactly. So, yeah, we are actually right at the top of the hour. We have 90 seconds. Now I want to give maybe 30 of those seconds to you. Somebody wants to take it to the next level with you. How do they engage? They can go to my website. They can learn more about me. It's onspachmedia.com, A-N-S-P-A-C-H, yep. media.com. They can give me a call at 412 Two six seven seven two two four, which is actually four twelve on Spock. Uh, they can find me yep. on Facebook at Rob on Spock. They can go to my YouTube channel. I mean, they, they find me everywhere. Just Rob on Spock, you'll find me. Yep. And uh, there's other there's you know, other pe- there's other people with your name, but you're the one that turns up first when you go searching for you. <laughs> That's right. I've and noticed I that there are, other Rob, there are other Rob Bonspots out there. It's a, I found like three of them, but uh, you're the yeah, one. Yeah, one's a wrestler, one's a coach, and I'm like, I don't know. Yes, none, none of them are related. <laughs> but I, I want yeah, everybody to yeah, understand. First, it. first, I thought the coaching was. Yeah, I thought the coaching was yeah. you or your son or something because of your work with uh, the martial arts. But I was surprised that it wasn't. So no. yeah, it's amazing. But everybody, <laughs> please, you know, go out there and and create a live video. And tell me your thoughts. Was it exhilarating? Did you fail? Did you, you know, have fun? And, and the thing is, yeah, I want you to fail the first couple times. That's how you're going to learn. But you're going to yep. find that your audience is going to find you more appreciative of a live video than they will a pre-recorded one, or that you're just, you know, writing texts all the time or posts. Let them see exactly. the real you. Exactly. The real you, absolutely. So we actually are completely out of time here. So Rob Anspach, Anspach Media, I want to thank you. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you. All right. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreators.com. 
thecreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.